Grateful for our audience that is growing and engaging with us. Grateful for each listener on the Black Love Podcast Network. Yes. You are tuned into another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. With Kariga and Felicia. You know how it goes. <laughs> this space is a blessing for us. I just want to state before we come to each session, Felicia and I ask ourselves what brings us here. Yep. This question that we ask ourselves helps us frame being present in the moment and what that work looks like. Mm -hmm. And admittedly, today is a beautiful conversation based on dialogue Felicia and I were having. So I want to get started with an affirmation to help guide this conversation. Okay. If you have your soul affirmation text, I'm going to give you a second to turn to page 46. 46 reads, I find joy in learning more about myself. Exploring my emotions is an act of self-love. Thank you, Rika, for that affirmation. Can I ask if you remember exactly where you wrote it from? I remember when I was presenting it and understanding it myself, I ran it by a colleague, Kirk Kahuhibi. Mm-hmm. And in its original text from my journal, it said, exploring my emotions is self-love. Mm. He interrogated the statement and asked more detail about it. Mm-hmm. And that's when we began to modify it as an act of self-love. Wow. Because we realized that there are multiple ways to participate in self-love. So this gives premise that this is possibly one way. And yeah, there are others. Hmm. I remember, you know, I would do the drum circle in the beginning of school every day. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I led the drum circle and the morning call. And I found it fascinating how many young people could like see me and love me when I first didn't originally think that I was clean enough for the love like that. Mm. So in my grief, I felt my ideas or my anger Mm. or the pain, Mm -hmm. but the kids didn't see that. Not immediately. At least they saw somebody who was present and they read my energy. And I realized that like exploring my emotions Mm -hmm. And finding more about myself, it created this liberation. Like these ideas didn't weigh me down in the same way. You know, I felt like I began to shine through the circumstances, through the pressures of being a black man in this world, a black man of my stature and size and presentation, you know. Mm -hmm. But the young people saw so much light in me. It gave me freedom. I could feel the liberation when I would explore how I felt. But they first saw me as deserving of love. So I just, you know, assess that for myself. I think that's amazing that your students were capable of that. And I think we're all capable of it. And what I mean, what I'm referring to is seeing another person as deserving of love. Mm. I don't know what happens in time that interferes with that. Mm. There are a lot of variables, I think, that can interrupt 
one's understanding that all people are deserving of love. We talk about this all the time where your lived experiences inform how you perceive different mm-hmm. things. And if they don't measure up against your lived experiences, the way that you're familiar with them and mm-hmm. they're different than that, then automatically it's like a deficit. Right. But, mm-hmm. or you create a judgment, but it's so beautiful how you say your students mm-hmm. were already capable of that. No, thank you for exploring maybe where that writing comes from. And I did enjoy the reflection on the practice of teaching in all those years we invested mm-hmm. and the young people and how they've grown. So that's a wonderful bookmark. Yeah. But today I want to talk to you about exploring your emotions and finding <laughs> joy in that. Because mm. I heard you say we talk about how everyone is deserving of love. Mm-hmm. But I also just want to kind of jump in real quick and say how I maybe saw you not give yourself that love first. Right. In the conversation we had earlier, you were throwing yourself a lot of doubt and it was not challenging, but maybe surprising for me to see you regard yourself in that way. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I also respected and enjoyed as you were navigating those thoughts and those feelings and the interrupters and what is true and what is challenging. Right. Mm -hmm. So let me just set this context real quick. Felicia has recently written the second installation of Soul Affirmations. And it is a text that explores grief for mothers who've experienced loss. If you've been listening to any part of this show, you understand how Felicia has this as a part of her identity. And all of her learning has blossomed into the world as learnings for all of us. We saw this. We know this. This is why we're here right now. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. I'm talking to her in the kitchen, and can I just share a little bit what I heard? All right. So this is what she said. This is what she's telling me, (laughs) y'all. She's telling me that. Because this is a new experience for her, she is doubting how she can perform or belongs in this space. She was telling me that what she thought about what people think was interrupting. And in a very Felicia way, as she says it out loud, she begins to investigate that statement and realizes that so much of this thinking was only coming from her mind. I appreciate you setting up the context and and it's still something that I'm very much investigating within myself. But what happens is like Kariga said, here I am in this new space where I have a text outside of academia first. Okay. I have writings. They exist. I don't talk about them much and I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe I should really explore why that is, but I have journal articles that are published this year. Mm -hmm. Shout out. You really do. I have Three mm-hmm. chapters in three different college textbooks. That's tight. I have work that exists in the academic space. Yeah. And I hardly ever talk about And I don't know why that maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we won't cover something. <laughs> maybe we will. But this is my first time writing something that comes organically from my lived experiences. There is no other evidence that supports this work. It's just me and my writings and exploring within myself and investigating how I've been feeling, right? I've been afforded this opportunity this last year and a half. We have the text now. The book is here. It's present. I'm holding it. I'm looking at it and I'm loving how it feels. And every now and then I just kind of like gaze through it like, yo, this, I wrote this. (laughs) And how do I share this work? (laughs) I think what's happening, and I think it happens to a lot of people, When you are frequent 
on different social media platforms and you see all of these wonderful things happening for people around you and you're watching their stories unfold how they tell them, I think naturally what starts to happen is you begin to compare to yourself and your experiences. Hmm. So what's happening for me, I'm seeing other people, I'm seeing their projects, I'm seeing their creative outputs Mm -hmm. and how they're able to engage and be vocal about what's happening for them. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening to me is I'm comparing myself, me not doing what it is that they are doing. Uh Thank you for that. And so I'm not doing what they're doing and I'm asking myself, well, why am I not doing what they're doing? And all of a sudden I had all of these thoughts about what I thought other people would think if I released something that was not around academia, that was not around my training, that this is something brand new. And I started to feel down. My thoughts started to weigh on me. Mm -hmm. I'm like realizing this. This is at the end of the day yesterday. I'm walking around. I didn't put Kamali down in the bed. And these thoughts are still lingering. And then I realized like, wait a minute. And I know this to be true, right? I'm having thoughts about what I think people are going to think that I don't even know what they're going to think. Not only I don't know, I'll never know. The only thing that I know for sure are my thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? So how dare I allow myself to think anything other than what can lift me up? Mm. How can I not be my biggest cheerleader if the only thoughts that I really know Mm. are my own? Why would I just use them to bring myself down or weigh me down? How can I not be my biggest cheerleader when the thoughts I truly know are my own? It blew my mind. This like, is this, it's so true. Why would I do that to myself? This is do fascinating. Do I not love myself? The beginning of the conversation was how we qualify and how we see that everyone is deserving of love, but somehow we interfere with our own process, right? Man. Our own signaling, our own messaging to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm smiling in the fascination phase because I'm hearing so much good stuff come up here. And I just want to like acknowledge the humanity of any author, of any text, no matter what that text is about, no matter what it is supposed to be in an expert reference on or life coaching or self-help or whatever it is, or you publish academic, right? you also have the lived experiences of mitigating all those experiences real time, hmm. right? And this is why we commit to the rehearsing. This is why we commit to the knowing so because important. you who have gifted the world so much about our understanding and grief through your identity as a mother who's investigating grief's process, somehow there was a, another channel that got tuned in And it was like running major interference in your ability to believe that you can do what it is you were set out to do. I also acknowledge that like when you look around and see other people's stride, their rollout or where they're coming from, we all come from so many different roads. And I couldn't imagine your rollout being their rollout when your life isn't their life and your lived experiences are so unique to their own. But then I also heard this very unique thing about your writings being your lived experiences. And this is like the first writing offering outside of academic. Mm-hmm. But I beg to offer a varying perspective that your songwriting <laughs> has actually been very instrumental on how we reframe and see the world. Right. I think of source of light. Right. <laughs> this work that becomes this work that becomes this podcast that becomes this book, it's all from that same soul. And I remember the writing of that. It would do me most joy for you to remember 
that that message came through you and this light that you are called to be isn't needing of approval or permission to shine. You just must live it true from where you stand. I also think that in the conversation you explored the element of your voice and how sometimes in choice you've been silent, sometimes in not being able to find the right words you've been silent, sometimes in not wanting to offer the idea that you are not the mother of Kamayu and Kamali. You've stood in your permission to be silent. Mm-hmm. Silence is a powerful thing. And also it's a muscle memory. The more you feel comfortable in not participating in the world's ebbs and flows and latest trends and commentary and what is the social spill out and who said what and who did what and who the cop shot or beat or right. you and I engage in real dialogue offline. But I, I respect the the practice of silence. But I think that in your silence, you may have forgotten the power of your voice and mm. not as an advisor mm. and not as an expert, but just your voice. Mm-hmm. Because when we hear from you in writing, when we hear from you in an interview, when we hear from you on the podcast, as the listeners tell us, you offer so much. Mm. But I understand that social media is this this crazy highway with crazy lanes and it's who is like happening. who. And, and none of that impacts who you are. You're a very unique mark in this world. Even if the World Wide Web has a thousand transmission signals, yours is yours. And there's power in yours. Man. And even hearing you go through this and, and experience this, you know what my experiences have been. I talked to you about them. Yeah. Yeah. I very much can identify with that feeling and not so much what would folks think, but all these different ways. What makes my way effective or the right way? No one can tell my story for me or like me. Mm-hmm. And no one, Felicia, can tell your story for you or like you. But I have to rehearse this. Got to rehearse it. Got to rehearse this knowing. I wrote that last night as I was coming to understand that I know what I'm thinking. And I don't have to think or make an assumption about what someone else is thinking. Because mm-hmm. that is my thinking. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to do all of this thinking about me and what I got to offer, I can at least big myself up and say, yo, I'm offering this. This is from my lived experience. Can't nobody tell me about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can at least think nice about yourself. I can yourself. at least think nice about myself. I mean, think, man. Think nice. <laughs> I like that. Seriously. But here are the many challenges. Noise. Advertising. Yeah. Colors. Yeah. Social media trends. Yeah. Fatigue in your real life. Right. Plans about ideas or things. And so many of those aren't present, right? Those are ideas and or projections. Yep. The power is really in the present. That is right? so true. The power, the power is really is in, in the, the present. present. And we all know it takes practice to be present. It does. It was very hard for me to remain present in the early onset of my grief. Remember mm-hmm. how difficult that was? Mm-hmm. Present can be one of the most difficult spaces to occupy. But it was allowing myself to be present is how we got here. Uh, allowing myself to be present is how we even have the offerings of soul affirmations. I wish there was a wall I could slap right now. I would slap. You could slap the table. That no. might not. That, <laughs> but yes, you being present is how we got here. And the reminder 
and my deepest ask in how I am for you, but how I show up in our partnership to make room for you to be present because there's power there. Mm-hmm. I value your voice. I listen to your voice. It teaches me when you are present. When Felicia writes, she'll come to me and she'll read like a journal entry and I'll be like, damn, that was good. That was so good. Like, give me more. Like, oh, I always sh-. shake my head when Kariga says this. And I really be like, yo, I'm a real life fan of my wife, but on some like, this shit is good, good. Well, thank you, babe. Insofar as how thorough you are, how clear and concise you are with the command of a language that is not a very clear and concise language, right? There are so many other languages that are more clear and direct than English. Mm-hmm. And you express yourself with the command of this language that I really value and the courage and the places you go to retrieve those writings. So I imagine it like this. We saw how hard it was for us to be present in all the work we had to do to honor our grief and still not disappear from the world, but honor our grief. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about all the folks who are experiencing loss because we know the numbers, it just, the numbers are real. Right. Who haven't yet learned to navigate that, who the world is kind of still pushing back on, Mm -hmm. not giving them space. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, like your text is for so many people. But I also can even imagine a world where so many women who maybe not are living that exact experience are getting this as a tool for women they know who are living that experience and no one has advice for them. Mm. Right. No one has something to offer. I just think your tool is critically important and it makes room, hopefully, for other mothers to be present (laughs) because the power is in the present. Mm. You, Felicia, I think even the courage to explore how you were feeling is so true to so many of us. And you had the courage to say it. You had the courage to let us talk about it here. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you so brilliant to me. <laughs> For real. There is such honesty so- in your offerings. I appreciate you complimenting me and affirming me. And it is this union, this relationship, this dialogue that I know we're having on the podcast right now, but even off the podcast that allows me to be able to explore my truth openly and honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if that is the case for many. There may be several different things that inhibit a person to be able to do that. But I have deep gratitude that there's no fear regarding exploring because I'm in the safety of your arms. Mm -hmm. And I know that you hear me and you can help me refine. I have a privilege of rocking with Riga. <laughs> rocking with Riga. Let me get a little rocking depth on that. Rigged. Yeah, for real. Rocking with Riga. Okay. Seriously, man. I thought about what has helped me in some of my spaces, the way you believe in me. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been seeing me get to it for a real long time. Mm-hmm. And it's unique. We don't talk much about it on the space, but music has always been a part of how I express myself. It's impossible to take from me. Every single teacher in every single grade has caught me writing lyrics in class. (laughs) This is all the way up to grad school, right? I'm writing lyrics in grad school. (laughs) But here's the challenge in writing these expressive lyrics. The music is beautiful and true. Then I got to figure out how to get it to people. Right. Right. And then you run into all these isms. And when you first start out in the industry, you know, you want to be a sponge. So you're listening to everybody. And that shit is maddening. Right. All the ways people think to do something because of what they seen. We're like, you ain't seen me. So how you, how you going to tell me that's exactly what I need to do? Now, not being stubborn, but 
Mm. You can't do it all. You got to do what's for you, right? And you got to find your listeners, uh, your people, your tribe. But it's challenging making music in such an honest way from such honest places that can free so many other people who are in those shadows Mm -hmm. and then try to figure out how to get it to folks. And you realize like, oh, like social media, right? People are so conditioned to think they're experts in music. They interface with it yeah, so often, but it's not choicefully. No, they go to playlists, right? Right. Somebody picks the music for them and they say, oh, it's hot because it's here. But there's always somebody who it's for, right? There's always somebody who it's for and you lead with that, right? You lead with that conviction and you lean into that and your audience grows and your why becomes more clear. Yeah. And you exist in the duality of you and the now and you and the people, right? The social media space. You have this time to rehearse your knowing, your why, like what brings you here and let that guide you each step of the way, mm-hmm. no matter the noise. Mm-hmm. Like you've done this for me. But I'm at a place now where I'm 100% clear that no one does what I do the way I do it. Oh, that's empowering to have that understanding about yourself. But it it came from a set of circumstances that no one would want to drink from. No one wants the circumstances that I've found my light through. But if I found my light, I know it's true. So I got to ride with it. Right. I got to ride with it. It's, it's a greater responsibility to ride with it and to create spaces for knowing and spaces for slowing down and processing and exploring our emotions yeah. as an act of self-love and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. finding joy in that practice. It's hella important to say, hey, there's a place that exists mm-hmm. where you can find joy in exploring your emotions mm-hmm. because so many folks aren't given that privilege. Yeah, No one is saying that, right? The world is telling you to function at a high level and fit in. And that's not where we at. Man. That's not where we at. <laughs> I was online the other day and I was talking to a brethren. Mm-hmm. I'll paraphrase, but he shared a post that said something along the lines of, I had been working on remaining humble so long or walking in humility so long that I forgot my confidence. Wow. That struck. That strikes me. That struck me so. Mm. Say it again. Along the lines of I've been working on my humility so long that I forgot my confidence or walking in my humility so long, you know, being Yeah, humble, no, I get it. It really pierced me because I think of what it means to be a servant first. And y'all talking to somebody who was a public educator for 13 years straight. And the way to be effective in that space is to serve first. It's to not to look to the left or the right and see who isn't doing it. It's to do it if it needs to be done. The way I existed in this world was mostly just through service first, right? Mm-hmm. not needing to prioritize my voice because mm. I knew what I was doing was effective. Right. But the challenge then became, when do I say I belong here? Right. Right. I'm supposed to be here. Right. I have work to do here. Mm-hmm. And not so much in the idea that I'm here now. So this means I stopped doing the work. No, it means that I'm supposed to be doing the work here at this space, at this level, at this time, I'm supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. And Felicia, you are, Mm. supposed to be here and we want to hear more from you right like the best way i could describe it is my life's impact and my life's work is tied greatly to you taking the space that's rightfully yours Mm. it's not about this idea of you know we don't even subscribe to none of them roles but like i know who you are in my life Mm. as my wife as a amazing critical thinker a brilliant 
woman, a mother who has wisdom and lived experiences. I don't want a world without your voice. I don't want to be in a room without your voice. It adds clarity and agency to anything we are trying to work on. So I feel so deeply connected to you standing in your space. I need that. Thank you, Rika. Thank you again for affirming. Thank you for even just holding my hand as I navigate this new road and rehearse the knowings. I had to write it in my phone. Like, no, I I know this about myself. Mm. I really appreciate that. Taking a deep. Yeah, take it. Take a deep breath. This is liberating. Like you said, finding more about myself is liberating. And before even coming here, Kariga says, we always ask ourselves, why are we coming here? We come here for reference. Mm -hmm. It is my hope that this conversation is helpful to someone who is listening, who may have been entertaining the thoughts of what they think someone else might think, or even the doubts that can arise from constant comparison. Mm -hmm. All of those things are very natural, very true. But it requires this rehearsal of knowing who you are and knowing your light. Stakes are too high to not remember our light. What (laughs) comes to mind right now is a writer, one of my favorite writer MCs. Kevin Allen, (laughs) who has a project that is forthcoming and he had a listening session and he brought folks to the listening session. And there was a line that stuck out very clear. Don't let your worth be determined by if they cheering for you. That's fly by night like a red eye flight. (laughs) But you know how challenging it is to stay a course and not measure your impact by if they're cheering for you or not. Like it's hard to remember or to measure or to know that you are being impactful and if they're cheering for you or not. But so much of impact isn't just on other people's lives. It's based on you staying a course because there are exponential growth from knowing and staying on course. Right. There's so much work in what's done behind the scenes and why you're doing it long before the public interfaces with your product or experience. When you know your why, I'm telling you, they can feel that. Mm. Right. But it's up to you to know it, because if you don't know it, they can't feel it. Right. But being able to have your self-worth independent of who's cheering for you or not. Right. It gets tricky in the social media realm because we see what we think are other people being cheered for. And we so deeply want to be cheered for in that way. If that (laughs) looks like what success is. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm hmm. And that ain't the way it go. Mm -hmm. That is not the way purpose goes. That is not the way life work goes. It will never be measured by a platform that can cease to exist. You have to remember the power in your person and how you show up in the world and how you show up in rooms and how you show up for yourself. If we aren't showing up for ourselves, it's impossible to show up for the room. It's impossible to show up for the world. Yeah. Separate of any of these platforms. Yep, yep. So today, more than anything, Fee, I champion your voice. I need your voice. The world desperately needs your voice and the wisdom that you have in the way that you've acquired it. Like, 
your life experiences mitigated against your educational psychology background, how thorough you've been trained to go through it all. Shout out to your mentors. <laughs> Those black women at Howard University were the most thorough group them. of academics <laughs> I've ever had the opportunity to be around, right? Mm -hmm. Felicia's professors and some men too. I actually got to know them really well. We need your thinking, your voice, your writing, your game, your kindness. We need that, G. Like, best way I could describe it, my life, work, and worth is deeply connected to your voice showing up. <laughs> well, this was a nice conversation. Thank you, Riga. Thank you. Getting affirmed up in here all up and through here. Well, shout out to our listeners who have given us this space, who yeah. have showed us that this space is valuable. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the Black Love Podcast Network and yeah. the space that we're building together to be able to investigate our feelings, investigate grief. Make sure you know that your experience with grief impacts the way you find your voice. So you're not even crazy for not even being able to find it right away. But we know that grief is love and love is with you and you can find that mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. To close this out, I have an affirmation I want to read that I feel like speaks to me. Bet that. And to the listeners, you grab your text, turn to page 34. Today, I will pour into my genius. Mm. Boom. Yes, you will. <laughs> I will do the same. Yes. We hope that all the listeners are able to do the same. We thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Soul Affirmations mm. with Felicia and Kariga. Kariga and Felicia. And all the listeners on the Black Love Podcast Network. Yes. This episode is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Mm -hmm. It is produced by Crystal Hill uh -huh. and edited by uh -huh, uh -huh. Masu McLemore. Yeah. Massive love. Peace.